Good evening, everyone. You know, Jesus Christ, the, the one of his last words in prayer before he was arrested was, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And what I love about that is Jesus, even to the point of death, lived a posture of surrender to his Father's will. And tonight, I want to lead us in a song of worship that may not be familiar to everybody in this room, but I love the words of this song because I think it opens up that same invitation to all of us tonight as we gather together in this place, that we can approach our Father together tonight and just say, God, we lay our will down to you. We surrender ourselves to you, and we invite you to meet us here in this place. So with that, I want to invite you to stand, and I'm going to pray for us and lead us in this song. Oh, God, will you meet us in this place? God, we remember Jesus Christ. We remember the gift, God, of your son, that he came to suffer, to die. Lord, for all of us, God, we're grateful for that. So, God, even in these moments in our worship and the words of Scripture that we share tonight, God, in everything, we just want to honor you and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this together. Oh, oh, oh. 
God, we are so grateful, Lord, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. God, and we don't want to move too quickly to resurrection without remembering, God, the blood that was poured out for us on that Good Friday. Jesus, that you wept, that you cried, that you were in pain, that you suffered. And you did it for each and every one of us. And so even tonight, God, as we gather together in this place, God, we invite your Holy Spirit to meet us. God, we lay our lives down before you, God, in a posture of surrender. Open, Lord, to what you want to say to us tonight. And we just continue to sing out in our spirits, only you, only you, Jesus. And we pray all of this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, and we say together, church, amen. Amen. Well, it's so good to worship with you all. I want to invite you to grab your seat, and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. <laughs> Thanks, Carter. As we come to the close of Lent coming up, there, there. I don't know if, if your spirit's like mine, where there's this desire and anxiousness to get to Easter, and yet there's something. There's something about Good Friday that we enter into and are reminded of what God has done for us. And so I don't, I don't know your background. Uh, for some of you, you might have come from different denominations, different uh, experiences when it comes to Good Friday, and tonight might look a little different for you. Um, but I just pray and we believe that the Holy Spirit is here, and so he has something for each and every one of us. And, uh, and so we're just going to pray, and whatever that is, that, uh, that you would be open to hearing from him tonight, and that you would leave here knowing you've been in his presence and you are changed because of it. So let's just pray. The grass withers and the flower fades, but your word endures forever. And God, we are thankful for your word and the stories and the gospels and the story of Jesus that has transformed our lives. But it's more than a story. It's the reality of what you've done for us. And uh, God, if there's anything that's of me, I just pray that it would fall to the ground and be forgotten. But whatever you have to speak to us tonight, Lord, that it would stick. That it would challenge us, correct us, and ultimately change us that we might be more like Jesus. And so, God, as we sit in this tonight and we reflect on the crucifixion 
uh, just pray, God, that you would move in our midst. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I'm going to read this passage of scripture, Luke 23, beginning with verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes and cast, by casting lots. And people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up, and they mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for, what we, are, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Amen. What do you, what do, you do when God doesn't meet your expectations? What do you do when God doesn't meet your expectations? And I know for some of you, you think, what an arrogant statement to suggest that somehow that we as human beings have an idea or a thought that God doesn't live up to. How, how silly for us to imagine that we know better and that we should give God direction. And yet, that's not how we behave. We act as though there are times where our belief and our experience, there's a gap where those expectations are not met what do you do when God doesn't meet your expectations? I remember when I was little, growing up in the church, uh, we would hear the stories as children, and, and there's reasons for this, but we would hear all the stories, and they were the good stories, right? It was, uh, it was Noah and his family that were saved by God. It was little David who defeated the giant. It was Daniel who wasn't touched by the lions that were in the den, or Shadrach, or like I like to say, Thadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm glad you were with me on that. But my view of God through all those stories and the disciples and the early church, uh, you know, my view was that God would be there for his followers, that everything was going to go great. <laughs> and as I matured, and I'm still working on that, I discovered that there are other stories in the scripture of those who followed God. A Joseph who spent years in prison. Daniel, who was saved in the lion's den, found himself there because he was taken as a young boy into exile and made to live somewhere else. It was the Israelites that were enslaved for 400 years. It was the disciples who were told were all martyred except for one. 
And it's in those moments where you realize that your belief and your expectations, it doesn't quite measure up. And what do you do when God doesn't meet your expectations? I remember experiencing as a young person in the church the hypocrisy or the people that I saw that were following God and it didn't measure up. I don't know, maybe you've experienced something along those lines where it's been a a crisis of faith for you or a crisis of belief. I remember talking to a man who gave up on following God, gave up on his faith because he had prayed to get a job and didn't get his job. Didn't get the one that he wanted. That was enough for him. But maybe for you, you've experienced a tragedy in your life. You could be going through an illness or a difficult diagnosis. You've lost a job. You've experienced a divorce. Your children won't talk to you. You're financially broke. Someone has hurt you deeply. And what do you do? What do you do when God doesn't meet your expectations? For some people, they walk away, like the man who didn't get the job. Individuals who can't reconcile the difference between their belief and what is happening. And so they just walk away. Others complain, perhaps. They mock. In their frustration and in their hurt, they use social media or other forms to to say things or to do things, to poke fun of Christianity or other people's faith as though Christianity or faith in Jesus is something for the weak. It's a crutch for those who just need something. Still others become angry over the gap of what they believe and what they're experiencing. They're angry at God. They're angry at themselves. They're angry at life. They're angry at others. Maybe you can relate to one of these. Where you feel like God has not met your expectations. What do you do? The passage in Luke that we just read together is one of many stories of the crucifixion. Matthew, Mark, and John write their versions of what took place. One of the differences for Luke is he tells the story of the two criminals and this conversation that takes place. But in this story, I think we find and we discover that there are different people who reacted to the disappointment of what was happening at the crucifixion. Jesus on the cross, it wasn't what people expected. It wasn't what they thought the Messiah would be, this whole idea of the king of the Jews. And yet I think in this passage we also discover maybe what God expects of us. You see, surrounding the place of the skull, and that's what Luke calls it, the other gospel writers use the Semitic word uh, Golgotha, but as Jesus is there being crucified, Gathered around him are the witnesses to his death. The people that Luke says stood there. And you have the two thieves or robbers or criminals. But you know who wasn't there? Inconspicuously missing were the disciples. They had walked away. Their expectations were unmet. The very men that Jesus called out to follow, the young boys who had watched him perform miracle after miracle, casting out demons and healing the sick and raising the dead and calming the storm and feeding the thousands, those guys weren't there. 
One of the gospel writers tells us that John, John was there. But Luke leaves them out of the story. The Jesus that they believed in, they thought was going to take charge. He, wasn't, he was going to set things right. He was going to rule in his way. And death, death was not their expectation. Peter earlier had been rebuked by Jesus for even suggesting that death shouldn't be on his radar. What do you do when God doesn't meet your expectations? For the disciples, for those who are the closest to Jesus, they walked away, not knowing how to deal with that gap. And we have a temptation, too, to want to walk away. The next few verses tell us this, beginning with verse 35. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. Some of the gospel writers tell us that the people didn't just stand, but they too mocked, they sneered. They said, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah, questioning him, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up, and they mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of Jews, save yourself. For there was written a notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. To sneer and to mock is to ridicule, to make fun of, to humiliate, to put down. The soldiers, the people who are waiting for a Messiah, they ridiculed, they mocked. This was their response to God not meeting their expectations. The sign that was posted was another way to poke fun of not only who Jesus was, but who others thought he was. What king would wear a crown of thorns and be crucified as a criminal? What do you do when God doesn't meet your expectations? Finally, one of the uh, criminals on the cross who hung there hurled insults at him and said, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Anger. Anger that God wasn't coming through for him. If Jesus was the king of the Jews, he would have saved himself. He would have provided a stay of execution. When I read the story, it's easy for me to put myself within those characters because there are times in my life where God has not met my expectations and there's a gap and I find myself understanding how the disciples felt wanting to walk away times when I've wanted to make fun of belief and mock this idea of faith and Christianity times when I've become angry and I can relate to those characters in the text when my expectations are unmet. But there's one more character. In verse 40, it says this, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, remember me, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered, today I tell you, or truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now he may not have comprehended what was happening 
He didn't understand all that God was doing. He didn't understand the gap between his belief and who God was and this man named Jesus who was on the cross next to him. But he knew there was something different. He was a criminal. Jesus was not. And he calls out to Jesus in some gap of belief, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Remember me when you come into power. Recall who I was. That I deserve this, but you don't. And Jesus responds in a way that in some ways still doesn't meet my expectations. He invites the man to join him in paradise. Today you will be with me. He forgives him. Just as he forgave in the verses before for those who were crucifying him. Just as his death would bring forgiveness to all those who would receive his salvation. The man didn't light a candle, recite some prayers. He didn't go to some altar or he'd give a tithe. He didn't read his Bible or attend group. He wasn't religious in any way that we would consider to be faithful. Yet Jesus invites him to join him. That might bother you. That might not meet your expectations. But what Jesus does is he invites this man to meet his. Be with me. There may be a gap. You may not understand. You may be angry. You may be tempted to walk away. And Jesus says, but my expectations is that you would be with me. Find forgiveness. Join me in this. You see, I think when God doesn't meet your expectations, he invites you to meet his. To simply be with him. Even when it doesn't make sense. Jesus raises the expectation that all of us should be forgiven and that we should have the character of forgiveness. And how powerful this act was on the cross that changed the lives of those who were there that day. The disciples, it, only, only days later, the disciples would not only join up again with Jesus, but hear the words of forgiveness from Jesus, but they themselves would take up their own cross. They would give their lives for the belief that they had in who Jesus was. No longer walking away, but committed to who he was. The very soldier that mocked him is the same soldier the scripture tells us that when Jesus died said, truly this was the son of God. There is something that happens. The criminal on the cross found salvation. The power of forgiveness. Others would emulate that Some 50 days later, Peter would stand up in Jerusalem. He would preach the first message and he would call for people to repent and to receive Jesus, to be with him. And more than 3,000 joined up. And since that day to today, every day, all around the world, people are finding that gap of belief and those expectations. They find it vanishing when they simply hear Jesus' expectations to be with him. Be with me.
Stephen, uh, one of the early church leaders in Acts chapter 7, would become one of the first martyrs. And while they were killing him, he would repeat the very words that Jesus had on the cross. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. When God doesn't meet your expectations, he invites you to meet his. Both personally, to receive the grace and the forgiveness and the love that he has. If you're here tonight and you feel like there are things in your life that you have done or that don't measure up and that somehow God... (laughs) God is not accepting of you, is not loving. I pray that the gap there in your expectations would would vanish as you just simply hear the words, be with me. He loves you enough to pay the price on the cross for you. He did that for you and for me. There is nothing that separates us from his love. Receive that grace and that forgiveness and that love. And then he calls us to be the people of God that do the same for others, to be filled with grace, to be willing to forgive, to be sacrificial in our love. Who are those people that have abandoned us, who have walked away, who have mocked you, who have ridiculed you, who have been angry at you, who have hurt you? Jesus calls us to meet his expectations to say, Father, forgive them. To trust him, to forgive others, and to live a life of love. A few days ago, uh, or I think it was a week ago, there was an individual who was killed in a car accident on 131. And the story came out that the individual who was killed was a pastor who served in Byron Center area. And they believed that someone had gone the wrong way on the expressway. Many of you have heard the story that the individual was intoxicated and went the wrong way on the expressway and hit him head on. And I can imagine the anger, the grief, the pain, the loss, the expectations unmet. And yet, the family of this pastor And his friends have publicly publicly come out to say, we forgive him. We don't want to hold anything against him. And we hope that he experiences the love and the forgiveness of God and can come to know who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for him. I can't say that that would be easy. But they are modeling what Jesus has done for them. If your expectations are unmet, I I hope tonight that as we put ourselves and reflect on what it is that Jesus has done for us, that we would simply hear the call of his expectations. Be with me. We're going to worship together, uh, and Carter's going to sing. And I want us in this moment, before we go into communion, you can sing the words, but I, I want you to just sit in this and, uh, and allow God to speak to you if there are areas in your life that you need to seek his forgiveness or cry out for God to forgive others. Let's worship together.
As we uh, take communion tonight and remember the forgiveness that God has brought to us through Jesus Christ, um, if you're a guest with us here, if you're not from our church, we invite you to participate. This is an open table. You don't have to be a part of our denomination or our church. But knowing that you're pursuing faith in Christ, that even if you have that gap that we talked about, even if your expectations are unmet, but you're still seeking and wanting God to break through that, we invite you to partake. With the cup that you have, there are two layers. The top, you'll peel off, and there's the bread, and then the second layer is the juice. I was reflecting that uh, just hours before the crucifixion, the disciples were gathered with Jesus for the Passover. 
And it was there that Jesus said these words. It was there that Jesus instituted this idea of the Eucharist or communion that the church participates in all the time, all over the world. But I wonder if the disciples really understood that night. In the coming days, they would. My prayer is tonight that, that you would understand what it is that Jesus has done for you. That it wasn't a Pascal lamb. It wasn't the lamb and the blood over the doorposts and symbolic of what God did in Egypt. But it was the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for you and I. That death would pass over. That if we have a belief in Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it and gave thanks, said, this is my body given for you. Let us take and eat in remembrance. And then taking the cup, which was one of many that night, but this cup, he said, this isn't the blood of the lamb. This is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Let us take and drink in remembrance. Father God, we thank you for your redemption, for the freedom that we have now as followers of Jesus Christ, that even when there are times when we, we have that gap and expectations unmet, we can lean into you and you can just simply call us to be with you. So God, thank you for blessing this to our bodies tonight, to our spirit. And God, that uh, in the coming days ahead, that we would experience the celebration and the victory of the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna ask you to just remain seated. As Carter uh, plays this song, uh, we will have the words on the screen this time, but uh, you're invited to worship, but invited to also just sit and listen to these words as though God were speaking them over you. So let's worship.
Please prepare for you. Come to me. We want to thank you for coming tonight. We are excited and anticipating a celebration on Easter, and so we hope. 
at one of our three campuses. You will join us on this Sunday, uh, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock here, 10.30 in Coopersville, 10.30 in Muskegon. Uh, if you're a guest with us here tonight, thank you for coming. We do have a gift that we would love to give to you. Uh, we have a connection point right out these doors to the left, and I'll try to make my way out there, but we have some volunteers who will be out there just to connect with you if you have any questions about our church and what we do and who we are, uh, or if you made a decision. Uh, to follow Christ. Man, we want to celebrate that with you. So take a moment to do that tonight and uh, anticipate coming back on Sunday. Why don't you stand and I'll give a blessing. If you'll just open up your hands to receive this. And now may God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, continually fill you with his spirit. Uh, May you experience the freedom this week. And knowing that you are a child of God, may you know his forgiveness. May you walk in his salvation. And may you have a heart to forgive as he does. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.